Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Internet. It is, let's see, hmm, hmm. welcome, I want to say, to Season 231. Yes, I'm going to start there. Welcome to Season 231, Episode 4 of The Daily Zeitgeist. It's a production of iHeartRadio, and it's also this podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Thursday, April 7th, 2022, which means it's National Burrito Day. Okay, I can get behind that. It's National yeah. Coffee Cake Day. I actually really like both of those foods a lot, so this feels right. And also, it's National Beer Day. I'm not, you know, I don't really fuck with beer that much, but hey, two out of three ain't bad. My name is Miles Gray, a.k.a. Good Kid Mad Hickey, because I had mad hiccups the yesterday's episode. Apologies for that. That's from Hendron on the Discord coming at me with that one. And... Let me just get into it. Who's my guest host today? It's the guest host that everybody loves. It's the one that I love. It's the one that my mother loves. Said, wait, who's that person? Oh. Are they on more? I said, Mom, that's Joel. Anyway, I'll say less. Please welcome the brilliant and talented Joel Monique. Hey, I'm so honored by your mom. Tell her thanks. I love her by proxy. Oh yeah. She said you can you can tell she's smiling. She was saying, like she can hear your. That's the sweetest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, uh, sort of saying in Japanese, you could you could hear the smile in your voice. So you know. Oh, oh my God, I'm so blessed this morning. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Shout out all moms out there. How you been? Yeah. How you doing? Ooh, you know, good, good. I was able to secure some tickets. I paid way too much. We can talk about it later in the show. Okay. It's really, really a struggle to get tickets these days. To like what? Like uh, just generally to uh, anything what else multiverse of madness but yes to anything like if you're trying to get concert we'll, we'll talk about all about it but we we are being held hostage 
by these online ticket sales companies and we demand freedom we deserve right 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 okay well thank you we we need to know more about that we will know more about that (laughs) pretty soon uh but first let's get to our guest today this guest look we always shout out her tweets because the, the fucking Twitter feed is just a fucking inferno of hilarity. So we'd be stupid to ignore some of these hilarious offerings that we get on such a cursed website known as Twitter. But also their standup is on point. Uh, you may know their podcast, Young Old Pod. Maybe you heard of it. Maybe perhaps even you've seen them at Funnelingus, which they co-host every month uh, because I know we've had plenty of comedians who have been on that show and I know a lot of y'all get out to stand-up shows or maybe again you just know this person because they're generally like all up in it I don't I wherever I turn I feel like I'm seeing them in trades or just viral posts whatever it is but please welcome the amazingly talented and hilarious Dana Donnelly thank you everyone happy national yeah. burrito day yes yes what's your favorite burrito yes. um I like like shrimp burritos weirdly oh, but yeah. i also okay. just like like you know i like anything i like i like everything sure 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 uh dana that's not weird at all a yeah. turf burrito is absolutely peak a little pico de gallo on so that good boy. i love french fries in a burrito i love a california burrito oh yeah a breakfast burrito yeah. mm-hmm. i love kofax Shout bring it in bring it home yeah. yeah there's smoked potatoes that they put in the burritos so, at kofax so good. you know Literally what i mean incredible. they even like they even freeze them and ship them out now to people. Really? They as they yeah. should. That's like yeah. people deserve it's them a, across the world. It's a little bit. I I had it. Uh, like somebody was like, "Oh, I got like frozen Kofax or whatever yeah. to like just have on deck," and I had it. And I was like, "It's it's good. It's still good." But there's you know obviously like when something like a burrito cannot be frozen and then brought back to life. Yeah. Even right. if Evanescence is there to bring it back to life. So not like happen. a pizza. Yeah. Pizza will snap right back. What's your favorite burrito, Joel? Oh, favorite burrito, yeah. breakfast burrito. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Or uh, listen, is a chimichanga a burrito? We can get into it. It's mm. a deep fried burrito, which yeah. by nature makes it better. And I really miss them. I used to live next to like a little Mexican restaurant in Chicago that made little mini chimichangas. Ugh, y'all. Divine. Oh, y'all. This is peak. You might have to so give me that good. name because I think I might be going to Chicago with another one. <gasps> I will. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You have to support them. They're the best. They're yes, so cute. please. Yes, please. Um, and also coffee cake. I don't know. Y'all, I, I, I was like one of these weird little kids who, to me, coffee cake at, at a certain point was like the highest dessert I could ever eat. Oh. A black grandma. Of course you did. I know. <laughs> coffee cake granny. As a kid who was deprived of sugar, like desperately deprived of sugar, I like loved coffee cake. Right. Because you look at it, you're like, it's just a bunch of sugar on the top. It's like the streusel. I used to eat the like um, streusel off the top like and just eat the like, oh. brown sugar, crumble butter stuff. I'm like, yes, that's, yes. The, that's the shit, man. Right. Like, wh- why don't we just have that on a plate? Like, somewhere? literally, give me the streusel. Well, my mom would like make it separately. She'd make the streusel and then the cake. And I literally would like eat the streusel. Right, right, right. I'm down yeah. to just. Just sit down with a big old pot of streusel. Oh yeah, if you just give me like like brown sugar and butter and like cinnamon mixed in a jar, I'll just spoon it out. Yeah, right. Exactly. For like sure. just it's it's our new like Nutella. Just put it in oh. a jar. Trader Joe's will start bagging it, and then and then it's a wrap after that. <laughs> well, Dana, we're gonna get to know you a little bit better, but first, we're gonna tell the listeners what we're gonna ch- talk about today. Just talking. About, obviously, rent is fucking ridiculous and no matter what city you live in but there's some cities where it's even more ridiculous and just generally need to bring up again 
why our rents are so high. It's a factor of many things. And, and human greed does actually factor into it, too. So don't be too shocked when you hear about that. And then speaking of uh, overlords, landlords or other lords in general, Howard Schultz, who, you know, the on again, off again uh, CEO of Starbucks, he's back trying to plead with the workers to not unionize, please. <laughs> and he's doing it in the saddest fucking way possible. So we're just going to we're going to drink some some fucking one percent or tears in a second. And mm. then we'll talk about just again, the tickets. They're so hard to get websites crashing. Joel is going to catch us up to speed on what, what the plight of the, the ticket seekers of uh, this earth. Um, we'll get to all that. But first, Dana, we got to ask you. What's something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Oh, okay. So I looked and one of the last things I searched was uh, designer children's clothing. Okay. Yes. And that's because I am looking for, I'm always looking for uh, clothing in a size children's 12, 14 because I'm really short. Okay. And it's like a little cheaper. So that's what I'm looking for. I was going to say, isn't that like, aren't you blessed to be able to buy children's clothing, but with your adult taste? Like, honestly, yeah, just... like, I'm not gonna lie, it makes it a lot easier. And it's just like less competitive, <laughs> like things like don't sell out in a children's 12. Oh, right. Because there's not hype beasts using bots to exactly. buy like a size 12 to 14 for exactly. whatever, right? Got you, got you, got you. You yeah, must I'm... win on shoes, too. Oh, My yeah. feet aren't like exceptionally small. That's the thing. I'm kind of like, I'm a, I'm a sturdy girl. So, you know, I got, got I got six and a half. I'm a normal, okay. normal shoe size. Oh, yeah, you're. You're, yeah, you're going elbow to elbow with it. Yeah. Oh, I'm fighting people for six and a half, you know, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, what's like the last hype piece of, uh, you know, fashion that you were not necessarily like overly hype, but like something you were really stoked on getting and then maybe you were a little too slow to get? Oh, um, oh, well, there's this, there's this one designer. I, I'm being so annoying. There's, there's a designer like called Danielle Guizio and she okay. sells these corsets and they sold out really oh, fast shit. and I couldn't get them. Wow. Okay, so there's hype corsets now? Uh, there are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm convinced like all these oh, brands right. make like 20 of an item so that it can be like, oh, it's sold out. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I guess that is a good model. I mean, maybe we should try that with a podcast. Be like, I mean, there's only 20. There's only like so many downloads available. All downloaded out. And then, <laughs> exactly. but really, there's only two. And then <laughs> right. you do four. And then you do six. And then I feel like maybe, hold on, this is, hold it's on. A, it's Dana, an we, easy way to make demand seem really high. Yeah, because I mean, the, the Nike does that, and most sneaker companies do that now. And people are like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, really smart doing. Yeah, except for bleeding consumers, dr- bone fucking dry. That's true. Yeah, Joel, what about you? Was less anything? Anything recently? You you were you were you were late to the the draw on? Yeah, Telfar just did in was it the olive green dropper? I I also wanted the um the roast beef one. Listen, Telfar has me. Wait, roast beef? It's That's so like a color. Of, it's a, a color. color they did? It's a color wave they dropped, which is like a pinkish, like like, like a, a medium rose pink rare? almost. It's like a yeah, rare exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh shit, they call and that roast beef. I don't know why, but I didn't care at first. I was like, ugh, the name. But then I was looking at the color, and I was like, I have a lot of things that can match that. Right. And I'm trying to expand my purse collection now, so I got okay. the purses to match the sneakers. You know, I'm trying to put it Bad together. I need to get. 
my brother's organized. He buys the shoes first and then finds a t-shirt that matches yes. I know the your shoes brother very well and buys the that. sweaters. Yeah. yeah. I'm not that way. I'm like, ooh, click, buy. And then I'll be like, what does this go with? And what is happening in this space? Right. Uh, so it's messy. But yeah, I, I have my purple one and it's perfect. My purple Telfar. I love it. Oh, shit. Yeah, Shout out Becca <laughs> dropping Telfar links in the chat. It's corned corn beef. beef. That uh, was what it corn, was. Uh, I want to share link Telfar so bad. Yes. Also, like, what a way to find out that your favorite color is actually corned beef and you just didn't even know the whole time. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and where do you go with that information now? Like, when, <laughs> you know, you're like, what's your, what do you say? What's your seasons? You know, what, what's your season? What, what What's what's the term I'm looking for with fashion? <laughs> Look, I'm dumb as fuck. Oh, like, are you a winter? Are you talking about, like, that, like, when people are, like, winter or summers or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Based on your colors. Mm-hmm. That's, like, a really, like, 70s, 80s thing, I think. Okay, that makes sense because yeah. I'm elderly and the last thing I heard <laughs> no, that from was, like, a <laughs> like, I don't think you were alive when that was the thing. <laughs> no, I wasn't, but I remember <laughs> yeah. I had a manager when I worked at Condé Nast who was older yeah. and would talk about that stuff. And I was like, what the fuck, season? I'm like, yeah, my, my mom, season? my mom was always talking about, like, getting her colors done when, in the 80s and how it made her, like, not wear certain colors for a really long time. And then she was like, and then I was like, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, corned beef, shout out. I'm a corned beef, I think, too. This this is kind of dope. It's like old chewing gum is what I would call it. But yeah. that's not. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of a weird thing I to say do. if you're marketing it is like, yo, we could go, we could go corned beef or old chewing gum. That's what it's evoking for me, but hey. yeah, I'm gonna call it bubble yum. There you go, bubble mm-hmm. yum ninety two, mm, just to perfect. give it that that patina on it, that little <laughs> aged factor to it. Absolutely, Dana. What's something you think is overrated? Oh, overrated. Okay, so I was at Universal Studios um the other day, and we got <laughs> like thing overrated. What? Sorry. No, I mean I, I like Universal Studios. Hold on, I think I think I like it. I love Universal Studios, mm-hmm. but we got like the. Like these like front of the line passes for the first time ever is called the Universal Express. And we realized that we like don't like cutting lines and it just like makes it like we like like to chat. Like I like like a right. line. Yeah, that's true. There is something formative of, you know, your 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 comrades when you yeah. wait, you know, 90 minute line for You're a trauma bonding. Ride. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So what <laughs> what was the experience like when you began to realize it? Um, when I began to realize that cutting line wasn't that fun, I yeah. literally was just like, oh, like, I'm, I'm excited to come back here and have to wait in line again. That was all. <laughs> I was like, well, it's, it's really, I'm really missing something without the line portion of this experience. Sure. Cause so. doesn't that make the day like just hours shorter when you take out all the waiting time? When yeah. Like, we well, did everything like- we want to do in his two. Okay, here's my thing with Universal, too. There's, like, two good roller coasters. So it's like, okay, so now I have to go on these, like, ten times each. Like, it's right. just there's nothing to, that's the point, you know? Yeah. Wait, so, okay, Joelle, you were like, Universal is trash. <laughs> and I want to hear this take, too. Listen, okay. I'm just saying. Now, before like, you, you start, just know, I point. grew up in the shadow of Universal Studios mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in North Hollywood. In the shadow of City Walk. In I the shadow it. of that King Kong thing hanging off the side of the building. <laughs> but go on. I get it. And listen, from outside, <laughs> driving up, you're like, oh, my God, it's about to be lit. Let's go. Yeah. Like, Universal. But once you get inside, you're like, is this the whole park? Is this everything? It They're like, no, there's a downstairs. There's like, a downstairs. Literally... Go to the downstairs. The lower lawn. Oh, I've been <laughs> She's been. two or three rides She's not and then the Jurassic Park ride from the 70s. Or or the why why did you let the OG Grinch set get crispy out there? Y'all don't want to paint that up. Oh, Make it right, look right. Dude, it is Whoville is decrepit. Whoville oh, is, is it? so Gambled. weird that they're still showing it. Like you take it down or paint it, but 
like highlighting that like it's a feature is weird. It's I think like they've stopped highlighting. I, I remember them not discussing it on the tour, and I think it goes around who that's will now. Good, because I think they've realized it's too dilapidated, <laughs> and people are like, "This is really sad." Right, right. But how much would it cost to paint it? It's not a large set. I'm just saying you could make it work. Upkeep, right? Even the Jaws part of it, and especially here's the real problem: if you must go to Universal in California, just don't go before you go before you go to the one in Florida. Because one in Florida is so freaking epic. Really? Like the Jaws ride down oh, there. Oh, my God. I've never been. It's an actual park. It's, it's like Disney-sized park. park. <laughs> it's Disney-sized park. When I hear so about right. Florida's versions of amusement parks being so much better than California's, I'm like, why? Well, Californians are, are very much like, well, first of all, like you have to remember, like Disney built the park here first. And so it's very like petite to what we're used to. They've expanded a lot, but because they're in Pasadena, which is an old town, which is very aware of its chokehold on Disney, Pasadena is not letting you get away with shit. They're like, listen, you want to build a garage? Uh, fine, Wait, but we're going to talk Pasadena? numbers. Am I am I on crack? Where is it at? Anaheim. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. I, was I don't like, know my small, out-of-the-way LA yeah, yeah, town yeah. yet. <laughs> Anaheim. Anaheim has a chokehold on Disney, right. and they're very much about like making sure that it stays looking a certain way. Disney's trying to get some of these older hotels out of the way, but they're like, no, nah, those are local business people. So oh, it's yeah. like a whole to-do, and because of that, it's small. When they went to Florida, they opened up in a swamp. Ain't no jurisdiction in a swamp. Right. Disney was like, we're just going to build and build and build, and it's fine. We don't have to tear down to bring in new rides we can just build up a new ride and we can also (laughs) just ignore shit if we don't fuck with it anymore yeah (laughs) that's true that's true like it's abundance there you can't do disney or universal down there in a single day it would literally be impossible you couldn't even walk all of it in a single day so i swear you can't there's too many parks because you've got animal kingdom you've got the og park you've got epcot epcot um Mm-hmm. Which is actually cool because Epcot, ha- you can drink there. So they've got like drinks from around the world. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's so cool. See, but the, but <sighs> Universal's down in Florida, like when you get on their like dinosaur rides, epic. They're, um, when I went, I was little, they still had the Jaws ride, which I think they've retired. But it was like the most, like the, the, shark is in the boat as opposed to here where you're like looking at a small lagoon. Yeah. 20 feet away. And you're like, hey, that parking cone has teeth. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's the that shark. A shark? <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is. No, the thing comes up on the side of the boat and you think you're going to die. So it's just the levels are totally different. Okay, so they're and doing think, it in Florida way. Yeah, the family That's aspects of like going back every year up here are really cute. I love Disneyland up here. It's very sweet. Like a lot of people are like, this is my second home. This is where I go like, you know, three or four times a year. Uh, but as far as amusement and actual fun, you want to go to Florida. Yeah, that seems to be the consistent thing. Yeah, yeah and I, I get it. Universal, there's a, like when you do the, the backlot tour and you're like, oh, damn, the War of the Worlds thing looks real fucked up still. And they're like, no, that's Whoville. Um, that's, yeah. with, the, with the crashed airplane like shit. No, that's Whoville. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, no, yeah. That's neglect. That uh we we cleaned up the War of the World set a long time ago. When that shit first came out though, the War of the World set, that shit was so clean. I remember being like, Whoa, I really feel like now I know what it's like to be on the other end of American foreign policy. But yeah, it was a really cool, uh cool vibe while it lasted. Dana, what's something you think is underrated? Oh, um, I think like the broad multi-camera sitcom that people that on the coast don't watch, but that the Midwest loves. I mm. love like just like the cheesiest, broadest sitcom on the planet. Like, and everybody loves Raymond. Like, I think like, yes. and I, obviously those aren't actually underrated. They're like, they are properly rated. They're hugely sure. rated. But like, I think they're underrated in like cool communities. 
Mm. And I really like them. I've been rewatching like Two and a Half Men. Obviously, you know, some problematic elements, but. Oh, what happened? Is is everything cool with John Wolf? <laughs> what's that guy's name? <laughs> what's that guy's name? John something? That was the bad guy of the two, right? Isn't Charlie? Stop. What happened with Charlie Sheen? I don't know. Stop just, it. Wasn't he canceled for something? Oh, was my he- God. Charlie Sheen's canceled. I don't know. I actually don't know. I know I'm just saying things. I, I don't have want a lot of rumors. signed major league DVDs that I'm going to have to get rid of soon <laughs> if he is canceled. That I actually have no idea. Is. I really don't know. No, he um, is. No, but he I, is. But I love it. So I'm joking. Um, wait. So are so you're saying the classics? Like you're dusting off the classics? Or do you even see any like what you're seeing now? No, you I'm saying, literally hey, saying like new multicam sitcoms too. Like that no one watches. Like the neighbors on CBS or whatever. Wait. So what's that about? Exactly the neighborhood. It's like it's like a it's a multicam with like Max Greenfeld and like Cedric the Entertainer, and it's like it's like just the broadest multicam about a white family moving into a black neighborhood, and it's not great. But I'm like, there is something about it that I'm like, it's doing something. It's filling a void, right? You know, it's filling a void that needs to be filled. Like the way you talk about it, you it sort of reminds me of how I talk about terrible Christmas romance films that come out of Hallmark, where it's like, yo, dude, the worse the better. Yeah, no, yeah. Yes, I think I think like as the more the more like multicam, like the more that you could make fun of it for being stupid, the more I like it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, I guess that's the other thing, too. Like there's a comfort in like really predictable like writing also. I love like, a laugh track. I'm like, tell yeah, me when yeah. to laugh. Tell me. Oh, OK, wait. So, OK, what's if, if you're going to put somebody onto a sitcom right now? What would you what would you recommend? Um, Honestly, I'm like, I'm just telling everyone I know to watch for you watch two and a half men. And they don't like it. And they're like, they're like, stop telling me to watch that. Just so. get past the Charlie Sheen of it all. <laughs> That's all. And it's fucking dope. Okay, cool. Watch Joel, Abbott you... Elementary. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Actually, it. but Abbott Elementary is like, like that's good. single cam. Like that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I'm d- different than what I'm talking about. It's like yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> We're talking. Like, this is, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> that kind of. Shit. I'm talking about Come like on. like uh, it's like an opiate for your brain. Like you're literally like it's like you feel like you're on Xanax. And you're like, <laughs> you know? Yes, I call that. Listen, no, I call that depression TV. <laughs> yeah, I am way into it. Uh, my depression TV was Friends for a long time. I don't really like anybody on that show as a human being. Like, not the actors are fine, but like the characters you know, difficult human beings would not want to live with. But man, something about that show was just like, I'm going to get through the day and it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and if, once you watch a show so many times, now you know the beats of it. And when you can start saying the lines with that, yeah. <laughs> you're like, it's time to get out of bed. I have to go do something That's how else. it was with The yeah. Office. And I was like, like the the UK and American version of The Office, mm. I would I would like sing. I would like I could like like you're saying you know the beats of it to the point where like I think I'm just listening to music now. No no no, mm-hmm. The Office is music. I mean The Office is like I can do a karaoke to every episode of The Office. Right. You know, like yeah, like a man on hinge. I'm like wow, I can really I know all every line of The Office. <laughs> See, that's like, I don't know what it is about it. I don't know what it is about it. I think it's just also good. although recently there was that episode where. Um, someone took a dump on michael in michael's office and on the carpet and he says this thing where i'm like i've always been like you know since like you know we've been more aware of like ignorance in workplaces and more sensitive to it like especially after 2020 i'm like michael scott rubs me in such a fucking like the wrong way like it's weird how my relationship to Michael Scott has changed over the years. And I'm like, this motherfucker is the exact problem with all these fucking But isn't that the point? Like, I think it like is. 
Yeah, it is. But I think I've I then I've I shifted to this place of like, I don't know how funny sometimes like even benign ignorance can be to me anymore. Not but any. it's but it's like it ebbs and flows because other times I watch it. I'm like, this shit is so stupid. I love it. But I, so in my mind, like when people always talk about, you know, they always speculate, like, what would the office be doing now or whatever? I'm like, dude, this guy would be such an alt right person. And then in the in the fucking episode, he's like, I love Joe Rogan. He brings up Fear Factor and he goes, That's pretty so much love funny. anything Joe Rogan does. And I was like, okay, there's exhibit A for yeah. Michael Scott. I mean, that's that's who Michael Scott is for sure. I mean, I always think about the episode where he pretends like they have to stay an extra hour because of something corporate wants them to do just so he can <laughs> right. like make sure that they all come to his party. Right. Because right, he's right, like, well, right, I know right. that you thought you were going to stay late. So you, ha- you don't have any plans. So you have to come to my party. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm uh, like, that's so funny and crazy. Yeah. Like, that's uh, sick. And still no one comes to his party or i, I mean one of my favorites uh was this dwight's date to the dinner party that he yes. wasn't invited to okay Beverly. anyway this is not a it's not an <laughs> office podcast we actually have that it's called the office deep dive with brian baumgartner on the network so check that shit out not this one all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this you like to watch new stuff right Zygang? i know i do well go to hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one like my producer Anna oh my god my friend Dr. Mindy Shapiro hi it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner and of course Gail's sister Elaine Katz having no closure it kills you join us as we try to solve a 35 year old cold case It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots. 
the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Rent, high enough for you? Just just a quick question. Everybody, no? Good? Good with rent? Okay, perfect. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> look, rent rates have, uh, everybody knows, like, I think anecdotally, they're like, what the fuck is going on with rent? If you're moving space places, you're like, the rent has gone up at a ridiculous amount. New Yorkers, I know, are like, the rent fucking nosedive for a second. And now they're essentially, like, when with your application for a new place, they also do a little strong arm robbery, hold you at knife point and pat your pockets down. And they're like, all right, thanks. Uh, welcome to the new renters market. On paper, right? Rents have increased by an, an average, like nationally, 17% for, based on uh-huh. one year ago. They've gone up 17%. That's when you average the shit out. Other places, it's fucking worse. Austin, Texas, for example, the shit has gone up 40%. Dallas, mm-hmm. Fort Worth area, up 25%. And I think, again, most people are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's not like, like, it's a fucking building. How is the shit more money right now? Is it what what is happening? Why are we at the will of the landlords and these costs? Well, when you look at it, there's a few different factors. And I I think most many people are very sensitive to this naturally, because we're at a point in (laughs) in time at the moment where gas prices are ridiculous, food prices are going up, and most people's wages are like stagnant, uh, if mm-hmm. not like the opposite of li- a living wage, uh, like a joke wage almost. Yeah. So they're th- huh? not funny. It's I not just, funny. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine Congress being like, uh, you can have a joke wage. Like, living wage is no longer uh, applicable. You can't reach it, but living we'll allow wage. you to pay them a joke wage. Yeah. And they'll laugh about it. It'll be great. Here's some. How about a lol wage, huh? Yeah, Take lol that. wage. Three cents an hour. You fuck with that? Ha <laughs> ha! Joking. <laughs> or am I? Or am I? Not for prisoners. Oh, that's so, about accurate. Right. No, I mean, let's... We're all we're all um we're all staring down the gun of not being housed unless you work to be a what is it a productive member of society as it were so 
you look at what's going on, and depending on the factors you look at, there's a number of explanations. But the biggest thing is that it, there's just not enough housing, right? One of the biggest things that is is factoring into all of this is that there just aren't like appropriate homes available for the kinds of people that need them. So if there's not enough homes to meet the demand, that means there's no fucking pressure or competition from landlords to do anything about it. You know what I mean? Because then they're like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, we're the only few rackets in town that have uh, like a single family housing unit that isn't like $7,000 a month. So guess what? I can set the rate because if you're not going to pay it, some other person more desperate and maybe with slightly more money than you will pay it. And I get to do my thing. And I think, you know, when you look at how cities overemphasize like luxury high rise condos, like, for example, like L.A., we have less places for people to live that don't descend from like oligarchy. So you mean you have these landlords that have us all by throat. It reminds me just like the Internet service in most places where there's like only two companies. So they're never incentivized to have it Mm. fucking work because they're like, what are you going to do? Go to the other shitty one. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) shout out Spectrum. That's like kind of like the same way it's looking with housing, too, where people are looking at, you know, they're looking at people needing housing and sort of being like, well, I don't know. I mean, if you're not going to pay it, Mm. someone else will. And this is becoming just an increasingly dire situation. And I think, you know, the other elements to this is that construction is slowed down because the materials uh, cost too much. But this is the other part. Most people, right, because of the pandemic, they are beginning to look at their own like living spaces differently. We saw that how people began all these sort of like DIY projects at home or trying to make their like home offices and things like that. People want more space, more privacy. And a lot of people don't fucking want roommates anymore if they can afford to not have roommates. So that's also creating just this perfect storm that also allows uh, allows for human greed to be a, a bit distorted or at least camouflaged by these other factors. But yeah, I don't know if I don't know how much things have changed. If if, if y'all have moved or your perception of what you need for where you live has where you live has changed since the pandemic. But yeah, we moved January twenty twenty one, which was a great time to move. Oh my god, uh, prices in in the basement. A whole bunch of new properties had just gone up, and they were like, "How are we going to fill them?" Oh, no, right. It's crazy. That intense pandemic time. Right. And so and we sort of felt like we had, you know, our pick and it was nice because we had all sort of just started making like real people money. Mm-hmm. So long freelance. And uh, it was helpful. We are now moving again for a multitude of reasons, mostly because when you buy a house that goes up quickly, you get real thin walls. Uh, frustrating. So I guess similar to a lot of people being like, we don't want roommates. We just wanted to be silent in our own home. <laughs> right. You don't want to hear someone else having nightmares. No, not at all. You buy a house in like, or we, I've lived in apartments mostly that were built in the 70s. There's like a big boom between the 50s and early 70s in California. And all those houses super solid like you couldn't hear anything it was perfect now there's there's a lot of property going up but not a lot of information available about like when it's going to be finished i'm guessing that's a supply chain issue but my other concern is um to your point a lot of it's happening in like single family communities where we're seeing a big gentrification a lot of gentrification gavin newsom signed a new bill into law late last year which was like Two housing bills that allowed for denser housing on single family 
lots, which on the one hand seems like a really good opportunity to alleviate the housing crisis in California, more houses and smaller spaces. You know, we're seeing a lot of townhouses go up. But on the other hand, like these communities that have long been, let's face it, predominantly like Mexican are dying now. They're quickly being gentrified. And that's sort of, I don't want to be a contributor to that cause, but I also need a place to live. So it's it's a difficult out here for pretty much everyone just trying to find a house to live in. I don't know. LA's got a lot of work to do if we're going to oh. resolve this crisis. I mean, yeah, who should we vote for for mayor to make it better? Do you guys know? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm <laughs> no. Dude, obviously Rick Caruso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to turn into the Grove. <laughs> like, I just want to live in a free people. <laughs> so I have so much to ask. Right. No, no, no. It's, it, I mean, I mean, you look at most people who, like, running for mayor of L.A., They're... like, you're beholden to commercial, like, real estate developers mm-hmm. no matter what. Well, again, like, one guy is a developer. It's just, like, it, he's literally a developer. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's he's like, hey, you know, the places where like you almost don't believe that unhoused people don't exist. Yeah, those are all the shopping malls I built because I work me and the (laughs) LAPD are like fucking this. I actually used to be the the president of the police commission. (laughs) People don't realize that about me either. I'm Rick Caruso, (laughs) folks. Yeah. And which is funny because most people who have that position for the LAPD commission are typically private citizens are always private citizens but real estate people like whether they had a hand in rejuvenating downtown or people like rick caruso it just shows you the relationship between the police and private property so uh, just beyond this though too like this is all sort of against a backdrop where you know so many people's financial situations are tenuous not even even before the pandemic but even now because of the pandemic you, there's this study that was that was done before the pandemic that said in cities like L.A. where the rent is so high, a five percent increase in rent could drive thousands to become unhoused. That's all it takes. It's fucking five percent to throw everybody's finances off. It. And we're now in a thing where you're looking in some areas they're taking, you know, we're looking at an average of 17 percent. You know what happens with the regulations around this? We shall see. But I mean, until then, without an emphasis on like affordable housing, like you know, you, you, we can't have people continue to be like, because you see so many, so much of this shit in LA too, where people are like, I just feel like, you know, there's like so many homeless people like around and like, if there's like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. It's like, you don't know what to do. Give them housing and yeah, advocate for that. It's not a that. complicated concept. Full bore. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting when I talk to people who seemingly have their head in the right place when it comes to other societal ills. That they're like, okay, they they understand about like the proliferation of like police, militarized police and like white supremacy and all this other shit. But then their empathy like stops suddenly for people who are like not doing well. And then it's like, well, I don't know, like they just shouldn't like there was like poop like all over this like transformer box. I walk the dog by all the time. It's like I just wish they they could just like move them somewhere. But you need to invest in the actual the ideas and the concepts that will alleviate people uh, or alleviate homelessness and not just be like, it's gross and I don't like to see it. If you don't, if you really care enough, don't just turn it into a thing of I'm disgusted by the reality that people are destitute because I think that's the thing most people are butting up against. Like, I don't like the idea of having to acknowledge that like some people could be doing so terribly. And I'd rather just not have that in my, like my peripheral vision because I'm just trying to do my thing. But, Really taking that and focusing that into, 
oh, what are the actual solutions to this? And that right. is affordable housing or just looking at all the people, you know, the money that we've put aside as a city that many residents are like, oh, we can't have that. We can't have that in my backyard. Not even affordable housing yet. Well, we're seeing it like even in, you know, I mean, most recently, Dave Chappelle went on a tirade in his own community where he was like, if you build these were essentially Section 8 houses for people, I'll pull all my money out of the city and bounce. And it was like, dude, what? Yeah. The, homelessness is not a crime. And, and the fact that we criminalize it doesn't make it a crime. Like We don't have to be well, if, afraid of people without housing. That's just bananas. Yeah. But I think that's reveals the, the whole, you know, the game there is if you criminalize being poor, then you have to work. Right. And then yeah. there's no option but for you to toil because the, <laughs> the only other recourse you have is to become unhoused or not be able to pay your bills and then yeah you'll begin to meet the other part of law enforcement that's just such a banana statement because i feel like there's not that many people who don't want to work and i don't mean like of course most people don't don't dream of listen (laughs) most people don't dream of labor and if they could do something else they if they could follow their dreams you know right but most people have like something they want to do i mean like like Mm -hmm. most people don't want to just like sit around and like be complacent like most people do want to contribute to society it's just like in what capacity do they want to do that it's like right you know it's like do i want to work at you know like like work at a quick service like restaurant or damn it'd be fucking chill if like i could have a writing career because I'm really creative. I just right. don't. There's no outlets for that because I'm not in prox- close enough proximity to benefit from like the social networks you need to enter show business. Anyway, yes, it, th- these are all things that, you know, you think could be better managed. But, yeah, we're still looking at the same situation. And like I was reading an article from 2014 that was like, why is the rent so darn high? They're still pointing at the exact same problems. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so, you know, the. The slow, slow boil of progress continues, I guess, if, or at least I don't know. I, I mean, at least landlords are seem to be kicked up. Uh, Becca said it's up 200 percent in New York City in some places. Oh, I mean, Ooh, there's Jesus like TikToks Christ. that I see of like um people like apartment hunting in New York City. And like there's line for these over, over, overpriced apartments, yeah. like lines, like you can't even get no. one. So it's like regardless of whether you're willing to pay an insane like amount of money for a really tiny tiny place it's like you still can't even get it because right. like literally like 500 people want this to overpay for the same shitty place like it's right. so bananas i saw another tiktok of something about like i think it was in north carolina or something like near Asheville, where like this realtor was like this is a house that's going up for like for to be seen and it's one of the only houses that's actually like at a price that makes sense for human beings who aren't like you know completely like unable to you know you're just maybe doing a terrible loan or whatever but the most reasonably housed or priced house and they were shooting this TikTok dude the peep it you thought I don't even know I don't know what kind of crowds I've seen like this like outside just for people to see an affordable home and when you when you see that that's there's that many people looking for it, go a few levels lower to people who might not even be in the market to buy a house, but to rent a house. And then from there, you have an even, you know, more ludicrous market where you have people being able to set the prices because, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's really disheartening to watch, especially when you consider like somebody was tweeting the other day about how their landlord was mad because they were two days late and the bank like 
tagged the landlord <laughs> because their mortgage payment was late. And they were like, so am I my landlord's like head of household? Am yeah. I? <laughs> Well, Am I the yeah. beneficiary supporting my landlord's lifestyle? That is madness. That's it why is... I think that's why landlords have get such terrible flack because more people are sort of aware because there there are people who are just straight up landlords who are like my job is to just collect your wages mm-hmm. and yeah, then pay for this so property bizarre. and that's what I do. And then because it's wild when you see on on especially on TikTok and Reddit, you got like these pro landlord spaces. Where people mm. are like, I can't believe people are saying, like, I'm a dick because I raised the rent 50%. I have bills, too, that I extract through passively having this property that I may have inherited or whatever. And I get that some people inherit houses and are landlords and you're not trying to fuck people over. But there's damn sure a lot more people who look at land- being a landlord as the way out. But there's also like this section of TikTok where it's like literally like it's like how to become a landlord TikTok. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes I'll that get in my page and it's like he's like with like little fun music and it's like this cute like girl in her like early 30s. And she's like, this is how like I make $500,000 a year with four Airbnb properties that I put no money down on. And it's like and it's like basically trying to get you also to do the same kind of like Airbnb scam. And I'm just right. Like, and, and, you know, and why and you you can see why that is attractive, right? Because so many people are like scrambling to figure out how to survive. And right now, some of the examples you'll get on social media are these people who are like young, dressed nice, got all the like consumer items that, you know, someone who's struggling would probably want themselves. And the way that they're presenting their lifestyle is like the way I did it was to exploit other people's need for housing, y'all. Uh, and this is how you do it. Look for some distressed properties. Like I see those videos too. And there's no, there's no real awareness as to what that means. Like what, what, what cycles you're perpetuating by getting into this idea of like lucrative landlord or landlorderism or whatever. Well, it's also like, they're not discussing like, where is this money coming from? And that money's coming from other people who are like working shitty jobs. It's just like, it's so bad. But now I don't have to work and I have a, I have a Lambo payment. Ow. But yeah, go yeah. off, landlords. Um, speaking of overlords, I want to check in with Howard Schultz, who is the on-again, off-again Starbucks CEO, as I mentioned earlier. And he is, again, he's fighting for his corporate overlord life right now. The historic unionization of a Starbucks in Buffalo was a high point for people who are actually invested in labor rights uh, and equity. But if you're in the C-suite of a publicly traded company, it looked more like when the spaceships from Independence Day pulled up, like where they're (laughs) looking at that and they're like, ah, they're trying to fuck us up. (laughs) And that was and that's why we see so much money going into union busting and fucking with people who are trying to organize unions in their workplaces. So he was so concerned, right? He came out of retirement to try and reason with the people, uh, with some of these employees in Buffalo. This was back in November when we covered it. There was that clip of him like likening like the unionizing workers to like people in the Holocaust who are sharing a blanket to like keep themselves from not dying in the freezing cold. And he's like, and that's what we try and do at Starbucks is share the blanket as a way to be like, so you don't have to unionize where you're like, I'm sorry. Who are the Holocaust victims in this metaphor? Exactly. What are you saying? So that obviously went to the sound of crickets. Those workers successfully unionized. And, you know, this is like the thing that a lot of people who are, you know, who are OMG afraid of unionizing. They see places like Starbucks that have so many locations that if slowly they begin to unionize more and more. 
that a company that hires so many people has like such a sort of baseline for what is equal pay that affects fucking everyone else in the space. That's why you mm -hmm. see so much money being poured into it because down the road, they're like, then I have to make less monies. So when that didn't work, he returned to his post as, as, as CEO. And he's been, you know, I, I presumably because he thinks he can keep the unionizing from happening. And he had another employee roundtable discussion again recently. And my God, this is him getting... We know we want to get to. I don't see you're not employees. We're partners. You guys are partners. Uh, even though you don't have any stake in the profits of this place, we're partners, right? And he wanted to just kind of let everybody know all the cool stuff that's happening at Starbucks, basically as a way to sort of say like we're going to stop. He said we'll stop doing stock buybacks, and we're actually going to pour that money back into the company through like making better stores, maybe wages. Who knows? Won't say that explicitly, and just you know, making things nicer for Starbucks as it is. The yeah. people, again, were so fucking bored at this event that then he goes on to be like, okay, that didn't work. What else can I get these, <laughs> these like really poor working people? How can I get them excited uh, about the future of Starbucks? Listen to this fucking pivot. Okay, how many people have followed what has been happening with NFTs? They're long. Nervous laughter. How many people have participated in investing in NFTs? We're poor, bitch. How are you doing? <laughs> okay, for now. Okay. So if you look at, I try to be a student with all this, not being a digital native. If you look at the companies, the brands, the celebrities, the influencers that are trying to create a digital NFT platform and business, I can't find one of them that has the treasure trove of assets that Starbucks has from Stop collectibles it. to the no. entire heritage of the company. So, this guy's so not any entertainment industry with solidified characters, art, stories, way, way backed up has more than, I'm sorry, the drink company Starbucks? Right. Sir? You sound like an idiot, and that's just on a business level. Not Amblin, Amblin Entertainment as a production company has more exploitable IP Please. than fucking Starbucks. But again, this is what he was saying. He was dang, he's like, wouldn't that be sick? Like, y'all, like, Starbucks is going to start doing NFTs. How the fuck does that benefit these people? And what the fuck did you think they were going to be like, ah, finally? Because what, he'll, he'll pivot to, and you know who's going to get first first swipe at those nfts <laughs> y'all the partners that is it, what's wild to me is these you know millionaire billionaire ceos coming to talk to folks who make one one twentieth of their salary a year you know and not ever sitting down to actually address these issues but like talking to them like they're at a board meeting you know right. it just it doesn't compute at all to their daily lives you're not at all addressing their needs or concerns you're just adding frivolous things to a company that they genuinely don't care about here's the thing you need to understand if you're paying your employee minimum wage if you're paying and most likely if you're paying your employee ten dollars over minimum wage they don't give a shit about your company they don't care this yeah. is not a family to them they don't have the time they came in here to make sure their kids could eat okay right. it's from the last story where it will be criminal to not have a job that's those are the exactly stakes. that's why i'm here not because i exactly. love you howard even if they really enjoy making their little latte foam art 
or, you know, this Starbucks is a hub in their community and people come in and use the internet and it, you know, that feels warm and fuzzy to them. Like, even if those things are true, it's still most likely not their dream place. You know, most of them are not like, oh, I can't wait to open a Starbucks of my very own. Like, they literally just came here to work. And when we make it so that, you know, our jobs have to support our health care, when our jobs have to support us past retirement, then it's important that jobs do those things. Like, yeah. you really can't have it both ways of being like, well, we don't want the government to, like, support people independently. You know, they got to work. But we also aren't going to make it so that workplaces have to support people in a way that is realistic. No. And please don't unionize and make us have to actually honor those <laughs> honor that relationship where I'm telling you we're a family. And this is the thing. Even though the NFTs thing didn't fucking everyone laughed at that one. He then just fully takes the fucking mask off and hits people with his assessment of what oh, workers no. fighting to have stable and life sustaining wages looks like unionizing. This is this is his unionizing uh, take. Here's where it gets a little sensitive because I've been coached <laughs> a little bit, but I do want to talk about something pretty serious. Uh -oh. We can't ignore what is happening in the country as it relates to companies throughout the country being assaulted in many ways by the threat of unionization. Oh, you can't assault a assault, company, it's not a person. The, the, literally using the word assault for that is actually truly so absurd. Assault. Someone coached him to say that? <laughs> he should fire No, them. I think he was coached to not say that. <laughs> They're like, please don't say this, please. They're like, oh, we said to avoid the word assault. <laughs> and, and, and then you, you ascribe that to you're saying an, a, a multi-billion dollar entity was being assaulted by people seeking seeking equity? Wow, wow, like wow, people wow. Want is, want, be, people wanting to be paid like $5 more an hour. I'm like, that's like, you're crazy. Like This is the thing, right? And it makes sense from the perspective of an oligarch like this. If you're mm -hmm. used to making obscene amounts of money like every fucking hour on the hour, anything... That fucking threatens that order seems like an existential threat. It's the same shit you saw with white supremacists deal with anything dealing with equality. They they treat that shit as an like existential threat. Black lives matter. Oh my god. Then ours don't. You know what I mean? It's the exact same response from someone in a place of you know in the hegemonic class or whatever, whatever, what have you, to be to look at this and say, this is fucking dangerous. This is bad. Mm -hmm. But also to not have the the wherewithal or awareness to you're talking to the fucking people that are looking for a better outcome. And you're saying like, I, I don't know if you heard about these fucking poor weirdos that want to like <laughs> curb stomp Starbucks. But that's like the super wealthy have this idea that you have to, you have to work your way up from nothing and they're really repulsed by the idea that people might start off at a balanced place even though many of them started off like beyond wealthy you know like recently i was offered a gig from somebody who's like yeah i'd have to bump you down to assistant and work your way up this person wealthy their whole existence born into like family name wealth and i was like as much as i appreciate I guess the offer to come work for you. I, like I've risen to an executive status. I can't go back to it. I just I literally could not. You got to work your way up though. I literally cannot afford to go back to. And he was like, oh, well, my current assistant can't afford it either, but she really wants the gig. 
I don't know what to tell you, bro. I can't be your girl. I can't yeah. do what she's doing. I, and it's just, it's a complete unawareness of like what it is to just try to survive. But again, these are the same people who, if you ask them, what's a gallon of gas cost? You know, I read so recently I know, that bucks? you're mostly impacted <laughs> by the inflation if you make less than 300K a year. I instantly felt called out. I was like, oh, I'm poor. Cool. Great. Uh, Wait, 300k <laughs> was the thing. It's like, <laughs> what the like yeah, if you make above 300k, you're not really being impacted by the inflation, and so and that's kind of puts into perspective for a lot of people. Like, oh, this is the difference of, and 300k is not even touching extreme wealth, right? No, that is, it's it's just hard to conceptualize how people could be so upset about like maybe you can't afford your second yacht, but. You know, other people are literally just trying to keep an apartment. We have family every year. I'm like shocked by the idea of families piling into their car because it has air conditioning and just driving around as a means to keep their families like cooled right. off. Yeah. The disparity is just it's, it's unconscionable to come and then talk to these people and play in their face like this. Um, but I'm glad the Internet gets to roast him. Hold on. NFTs, but I also bro. think it's like people like him <laughs> don't know any poor people like these. No, like no. He literally oh, yeah. knows no poor people. So it's like that. It, you know, but people like that, they will say like, no, I, you know, I used to, hey, I, I used to be, I used to be a working guy uh, back in 72. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was working with this guy, this feller. He, he came from Laos in Asia <laughs> and we were, we were working together shoulder to shoulder. And he told me how, how much better it was here in the U S and I, and I think about that. How do I give that to my employee? Like, that's like the weird like uh, class awareness that these people pretend Not to have. It's like it's from 60 score, years ago. Not pre credit, no pre credit score. score. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, fuck. yeah exactly. I also like, yeah, like you used to be able to like rise up a little higher. It's like now you can't. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's it's it, the 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 playing field is so tilted now. Uh, it's 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 very hard to know who actually has a head start because most people look like they're starting from some kind of deficit. But yeah, you know what. Bezos and Schultz, they've poured a lot of money into busting the unions um, at their respective companies, because, again, that upfront spend of spending millions of dollars now to just even prevent like when you even say, dude, that four million would have kept those people from wanting to unionize if you just Mm -hmm. invested in them. They're like, no, 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 because then I'd have to do it everywhere. If I just do this one four million to completely go outside the bounds of the law to union bust that's more that's better for my long term goal of making as much money as possible than to have people collectively bargaining for a fair share. No. Join okay. slash support your local workers revolution. It's happening. It's among us. Yeah, it's everywhere. Part of it. That's the thing. I'm like, you know what? I I know they're not liking this because the momentum is definitely uh, not with them at the moment. It's definitely with the workers. And you- no, the people see they can win. And the thing is, like like Kellogg had to find out the hard way. We will just stop working because it's not that much of a difference. Right. <laughs> the wages will just stop. So they're like, I can figure yeah. it out. They're like, no, I got like we you know, we can Hard figure it out. There's people. some shit called mutual aid that uh, can help me weather this storm. All right, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll come back to just talk about the man these tickets, man. Ugh. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where 
first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island. And secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, 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 oh,
And we're back. Hey, hey. Tickets, tickets. Who's got the ticket? I got tickets here. You need tickets? You need tickets? I got Listen, tickets. Listen, that's kind of what we've come down to. If you, I don't know, have tried to go to a concert, a ball game, a film, you're aware of your options. You got your ticket masters and your fandangos. And oftentimes, unfortunately, you are paying more for, you know, the website expenses than you are for your actual ticket. Sometimes mm-hmm. twice as much. It is it is very challenging to purchase a ticket uh, to go anywhere. You can go and ahead. It's fucked up. It is fucked up, okay? <laughs> it is difficult. And on top of that, y'all have sites that are just always crashing, okay? Marvel's Multiverse of Madness starring Doctor Strange, a.k.a. Benedict Cumberbatch, went on sale yesterday. And while Marvel fans, a.k.a. me, are excited to get their hands on tickets, we once again run into the ever-plaguing problem of crashed sites and coming off marvel's last release which was spider-man no way home created in partnership with sony and when considering the 20 plus years of online ticket sales it's a devastating issue okay it is the most important issue of our time and we have to get to the bottom of it now we can maybe forgive the spider-man crash okay movies and by proxy ticket sales sites have took a huge like hurting during the pandemic okay we almost lost a lot of major theater chains and like Spider-Man did eventually become the first pandemic era release to break the 100 million opening weekend mark, which was great. It showed like sustained growth for the industry. And I understand that because we had taken a break, maybe people weren't expecting the ticket sales to be that high. Bless. I totally understand. Several months after that, though, we are still dealing with Harry Styles pre-release tickets for Europe, crashed Ticketmaster's website, and even other like smaller sites like Skittle which is a UK-based company. It's S-K-I-D-D-L-E. Not like candy over here. You know, they received a lot of backlash when they were trying to promote a Fat Boy Slim beach show. Crashed the entire thing. People were being, who had been in line for hours were suddenly bumped back to like 76,000th place. It is not a sustainable business model. And when you consider the facts that the money that fans spend are not going to your ex... Or even to the venues housing them, but mostly to the corporation selling these tickets, it becomes very frustrating. Now, it's not, well, I guess I'll pause there. Are you guys, is it just me? Are you guys also experiencing ticket sales burnout? Are you enjoying the way tickets are being sold to you? I mean, okay, like, to be honest, I've just been using the AMC app, and that seems to work pretty well. No, it will crash day one. I spent two (laughs) hours this morning trying to get tickets on my, because I have stubs, and I was like, I'm going to get my stubs points, okay, which means I get a free ticket. I get all my points. But you were going for, like, a big release thing, right? You're saying, like, for you, you're, you're, because you're trying to get that, that Thursday night. Yes. That yeah. Thursday night vibe. But I'm, I'm but Dana, are you even fucking with Thursday night vibes? No, I'm like a like I'll go like Sunday 11 a.m. for like Okay, so we're weekend. I think we're dealing but with I two do different need my Doctor Strange tickets. So, I'll got get you. those soon. I respect that they just went on sale yesterday. But I guess what was frustrating for me through the process of trying to buy through the AMC subs app and they know because I reached out to them on Twitter. Um <laughs> it it's frustrating to be trying to purchase tickets. And I understand, like, they, they created a queue system, which they didn't have for Spider-Man. The site just crashed. You had to right. wait, like, a full, like, five or six hours, go back, try to purchase your tickets. They had a queue system, which I was excited about. They were like, in two minutes, you'll be able to buy your tickets. You'll have 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, they resolved the issue. Perfect. Right. I hop in line. I wait the minute. I go in to purchase the ticket. And it just kept coming up error. 
error, error. I was like, okay, maybe it's the app. Maybe the app can't support all the traffic. I'll go to the website. Exact same error pops up. Now, why in the hell do you have me in a queue waiting to join to purchase tickets if it doesn't work? What is, and then on top of that, because the AMC app crashed when I went to Fandango, which does allow you to put your subs card in so you can still get your membership points, because the AMC app was crashed, it would not calculate my stubs card as being active because it can't tap into the AMC site to confirm the number. Oh, God. So then just start scalping. Truly, it was hell. Uh, I, if you could scalp a theater ticket, I would. If I lived closer to the AMC, I would have just popped over there for a second and purchased them at the window. Unfortunately, I just paid oh, full right. price on Fandango. You can go, listen for AMC members. You know, you can go in and have them retroactively attach it to your subs card, I guess. But like three tickets is like $76. It's a, I, I, listen, I'm not a parent. I'm sorry, parents, that you have to deal with this. This is so much money. But I also just think that we've been doing this for 20 years, 20 years of online ticket sales. Why is this not a resolved issue? Why can't you tell me to come back at like three o'clock? My spot will be reserved. You do it on the phone all the time. You're like, hey, we're just going to bounce back and call you I, in a minute when we have some time and available people. They're not going to sort it out because you, you like you're saying they make too much money. Well, already, they make so much money. I mean, like ticket resales are like a huge it's like a huge market. I mean, same with what we were talking about with like, um, like resale hype stuff. Right. It's like, wait, what's the secondary ticket market look like? Oh, oh my god. Well, okay, like, okay. I mean, I know like Ticketmaster, but I mean, like, 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 I mean, there's like StubHub. Right. There's like, oh yeah. Why am I acting like I don't know? Even on, even on Ticketmaster, (laughs) like on ATX, it's like they have act. You have access to like the actual ticket prices. Right. But then, like, once those don't those tickets sell out, then they have other people selling their tickets that they bought for market value for like. 400 like 10x like what they bought it for like that's what i was looking for on lord tickets the other day and like you like you can't buy a lord ticket for like under 600 but it's still through the main ticket website and so i'm like so like now it looks like atx is charging 600 but it's like they're not but they are it's just like i hate it it makes me so upset and this has been like a huge issue like with especially concert tickets about like this intermingling of the promoters the ticket sales outlets and how they are like only putting out limited numbers and having like basically controlling the market to their own benefit. Mm-hmm. It's infuriating. Yeah, we What's don't even have time to get into the like pre-credit card situation where like a lot of times credit cards will be like we bought up a bunch of tickets and to our exclusive right. members. Oh my god, the American access. Express shit yeah. like literally drives me insane. Although my credit score is not good enough for American Express, they don't like me over there. But I'm coming for you so I can get these tickets. It's such a problem. Right. Ugh. Oh but my god. There is some hope. There's a website called TixR. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. It's T I X R, and they've implemented what they're calling waitlist technology that enables those who've been shut out of live events to commit with a credit card to purchasing a ticket. So basically you're saying there's enough money on this credit card should an additional show become added to the schedule. Now, what I like about this is it shows both the artist and the venue how many more like shows you could potentially do. And it invites artists to say like, oh, hey, yeah, I will do a second show in this area if there's that many tickets sold. It goes through and automatically you're waitlisted immediately to join that second showing, which I think is a brilliant idea. Like if AMC wants to be like, hey, we have this many number of shows for this day, but if we have enough people committed, we'll just dedicate another theater. I mean, let's be honest, on a big opening night, you pretty much turn all of your theaters into whatever the Marvel yeah, or like big screening is anyway. So it just things like that give me a little bit of hope just because I think it, it's become too much of an issue. You remember back in the old days, Wait, you just walk up to a venue. 
Well, what are the... Oh, yeah, fucking 92. But in the old days, didn't people, like, camp out overnight? To me, I'm like, sure whatever did. this is, is easier than that. Yeah. I remember my dad and I went to a ticket. We went to Tower Records where you could buy, where there was a Ticketmaster desk to buy tickets to see UB40 and Us Three. Wow. If you remember their song, Cantaloupe Island, that was like in every like shampoo commercial. <laughs> yes. But with that Tixer company, are they doing it with big acts or is it mostly small acts? Because I feel like that's the thing, that's the piece that has to come into place. I feel like if you're a big artist, you're probably doing your tour with like AEG or something like that. And they're already in bed like Live Nation or whatever, they have their way of distributing tickets. So I wonder if like it's going to take artists to say, I have to break away from this company to be able to even do business with something that's more equitable in terms of like ticket sales. Yeah, they started with a large like weekend event for something called Dead and Company. Um, oh, yeah. So it's like, I think. Grateful Dead. <laughs> Come on, you're not a oh, dead Oh, is that the Grateful Dead? Okay, no, definitely Dead and not. Company is apparently a band that has old Grateful Dead members and new ones alike, including John Mayer. Got it. Okay. So Dead and Company, like when you bought these tickets, you were not just getting tickets to the show, but also like housing and stuff like that. So the tickets were exponentially more expensive than like your average concert ticket. But Mm -hmm. it sort of showed like that there is resources for this kind of maneuver. So I'm hoping that we can at the very least, uh, like we've just got done talking about how there's not a lot of competition and like a lot of these ticket websites you know, I think especially Ticketmaster and Live Nation have a chokehold on the system. So I don't know how much competition there will be. And so maybe they'll never need to evolve. But it just seems to me, if I could have bought these tickets the same way in 2000, there should be a better system in 2022. So we'd hope for, and we'll have to wait and see. But until then, I think we're going to be just at the will of these. I mean, really, the only other way is just to wait last minute and then find someone who's desperately trying to unload their tickets so you can get them at uh, face value that's typically what <sighs> yeah I but then it's like a huge game of chicken like, it is no really, yeah. really, really it is wide. but you got to sometimes have the confidence of 1000 sons like when i went to coachella in 2009 for like yes. like i think coachella bucks. is a really good is a really good thing to just like wait out because like i know i've seen so many instagram stories recently that are like i'm selling for a hundred dollars last night i bought Please. it for like who wants to go like Please. weekend two no, I'm waiting till the day of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'll come to you right now and I'll yeah. drop them off for I'll 20 bucks. I'll pay you. Please take it. I'll give you wow. 20 bucks. Just send me pictures. But anyway, <laughs> oh uh, Dana, thank you so much for joining us today on the Daily Zeitgeist. Always a pleasure. Thank um, you where for can people me. find you and follow you, see you, listen to you, and all that? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Dana Donnelly and at Bad Dana, Dana Bad. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Hottest Dana. You can find me on TikTok at Hottest Dana. Perfect. And also, the pod. You got the pod. Subscribe to my podcast, Young Old, on YouTube and all podcast listening platforms. Come to my monthly show, Second Sundays at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood. There it is. Uh, and is there a tweet that you are liking, enjoying, that you want to share with us? Uh, this tweet is by Biker Smooth at Biker underscore Smooth. And the tweet is, quote, I was bullied by everyone in school, end quote. Well, were you being weird? and i really identified that with that because i was someone who was bullied by everyone in school and it was because i i was being weird oh god but were you being weird wait were you being weird uh joelle thank you so much for uh joining me these last few days where can people find you and follow you and what's a tweet that you like Mm, y'all know me i'm joel monique you can find me all over the internet at joel monique it's j-o-e-l-l-e-m-o-n-i-q-u-e y'all please 
Come follow me. I have exciting podcast news. I can't share it yet. It's not ready, but it's coming. Lots of new stuff. Very excited about it. A tweet I'm enjoying is from rapper Plies, whom we love, who brings lots of comedy to the world. <laughs> says, what's crazy to me, ain't never seen Russell Wilson hate on nobody. Bro makes his money, takes care of his family, and minds his business. It don't get no realer than that. If you've seen a lot of these all men telling women how to get men that they would never date you in a million years in the first place podcast was talking about how Russell Wilson is like weak and Sierra wouldn't be with him if he didn't have money, which is hilarious. That man loves her 10 toes down. You see it everywhere. He's constantly just praising Sierra, you know, and it's annoying to me because I think Russell Wilson, like their relationship is fine. Already. You have to come her. They're like, oh, she would still want to be the future. No, she wouldn't. He's mean. He's very yeah. mean to her. Did you Dad see how many songs year, he wrote future? when she left? <laughs> dumb <laughs> like if somebody's a sip his future 90 songs about how he's gonna get sierra back and never got her back okay wow. your child calls him daddy it's not about it's like get over it anyway shout out to russell wilson for loving a woman and still getting clowned about it it's ridiculous oh yeah they you know people hate love you know it's those who don't Jealousy. have love that hate to see it the most um let's see some tweets that i like first one's from christina at christina e cox tweeted Today, when introducing World War One, a student raised her hand and brought up the death of a certain archduke. Nobody knew his name. So as a hint, I offered that he shares his name with a oh. band. Gentle reader, my students asked if there had perhaps been an archduke Metallica. <laughs> Dude, come on. I love the children. But also, like. Come on, you think the kids know Franz Ferdinand? They, they don't. don't. They don't. They don't. Mm -hmm. They don't. I mean, that was. I think that was a moment too when you realize how old we are. First, uh -oh. Melanie Linsky at Melanie Linsky tweeted: tried to throw a slightly uh, neglected baby doll into the toy basket, and my three-year-old shrieked, "That's my daughter!" I had oh, no. no idea. I saw that this morning. That's so funny. <laughs> it's just the idea, of like yo, that energy of like, "That's my daughter." You forget <laughs> these toys, what they do to our childhood imaginations. And then last one, uh, Lol Nui <laughs> at Lol Nui tweeted, my theory is every Gen X person read a Stephen King book way too young, and that's why they are the way they are. Um, <laughs> sp okay. Spooked out kids reading Stephen King. Uh, you can find me at Miles of Gray on Twitter and Instagram. Also, check out the new podcast, Mad Boosties, uh, yeah. the official NBA podcast Jack and I are doing. Talking about the basketballs and all that. Also, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexander, if you want to hear me talk about 90 Day and all that reality trash. You can find us at Daily Zeitgeist on Twitter, at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes! Thank you. As long as, uh, as well as, not as long as, as long as you love me, we will be posting the song we write out on as well. And today's song, okay, this is a tr this is a track that I was somehow you know how like youtube history like has almost like fucking everything you've ever watched oh yeah i started scrolling back and just kind of like randomly like looking at shit i've looked at and i remember i used to love this music video from 2007 from the <laughs> edm artist armin van helden called i want your soul but i loved it because this this like this was like in that era before everybody was leaning into the 90s look so hard in the hots like this is like on the precipice of like old hip-hop looks from the 90s this whole video is shot like it's like 1989 Love with it. like cross colors ov overalls and shit like that and the video is so dope and the tracks the tracks cool too but i love the video so this is the track i want your soul by armand van helden 
so check that out. Obviously, this uh, this year podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. So for more podcasts, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. Uh, we'll see you later to talk about what's trending. And until then, take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.